Good morning, church. It's wonderful to see you guys out here ready to worship today. My name is Amy Miles, and Todd went on vacation this past week and asked me to step in. As you see, he's back. He's well-rested, and we are ready to start a new day of worship. If you guys will stand with us, please, we are going to raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief.
Good morning, everyone. Hi, I'm Todd Green. I'm back over here behind everything. Uh, welcome. Y'all have a seat, if you would. Uh, we want to just say welcome. If you're a, we want to welcome everybody, but if you're a first-time guest, you're especially welcome this morning. And we want to invite you to take a guest card out of the pew rack in front of you and fill out that pew rack and just uh, let us know uh, your information. We will... I promise you we will take care of that information. We will not abuse that. Just a, just a way to know how that we can minister to you in your life. And uh, let us know what prayer requests you have. Every week we pray over those cards. Um, so, uh, and you can just uh, drop those, uh, you can just drop those cards in the drop box by the door on your way out, as well as you need your tithes and offerings. That's for our home folks. That's for our, our, our members and such to put your, your tithes and stuff in those boxes in the back. If you're a guest with us, all we ask from you is just your guest card. Uh, I want to thank uh, Amy Miles for leading this morning. Uh, one thing I love, yeah. One thing I just I love about this church is just we have so much talent. And it comes in all shapes and shapes and sizes, forms. And one of those is that we've got some worship leaders. I found out that Amy has been a worship leader at other churches before. And I said, you know what? You still need to be using that gift, even if you're here at First Baptist Church. So I said, why don't you, while I'm away, why don't you take the, the band and lead them on Wednesday and come and lead on Sunday morning, and I'll be your guitar player. And so I'm enjoying my spot back here, and Amy's doing a great job. Hey, uh, you know, uh, you may have been here, but this, is, uh, this month uh, is Susan, my wife Susan here, and I have been here five years, and you guys did a great job of celebrating me. But uh, Susan has been an accompanist. She and, uh, she and, and Penny and Martha uh, have been our primary accompanist here at the church, uh, and Susan has just celebrated her fifth anniversary at that. And also, she's just starting into her third year as our uh, director of the School of the Arts uh, which we have here at the church, and we're really excited about that. And I just want to sometime, one more time say thank you, Susan, for all that you've done and all that you continue to do. You're a, you're a rock. Now let's pray, and we'll continue to worship. Lord, thank you so much for today. I thank you for this opportunity to come into your house and worship you, to lift you up in song. And, Lord, I pray that our hearts will be tuned to you, Lord, to sing, that, to sing your praise, that our hearts will be focused on you, and this will all be about bringing you honor and your glory. And so, Lord, now I pray you'll be in our worship. May we put a smile on your face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many of you have started using the Bible app and reading through the Bible in a year as a church, and um, I have been doing that as well. And I, if you... Um, Remember from last week, um, it talks a lot about his loving kindness is everlasting. And that's kind of been my theme song this week. His loving kindness is everlasting. It's a great thing to remember as we are going through all of these changes in our world right now. And um, also, it talks about in Psalms that the Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. And we're celebrating that. And we're singing to him today. So if you'll please rise and stand and we will worship our God.
trust in you. We trust in your plans. Yes, we do, Lord. Letting it all go because I trust you. Lord, we do come before you right now. We're just, we're laying it down at the altar. And we want to do that over and over again. We want to lay down our fear and pick up faith and surrender to you, Lord, over and over. Lord, we know that we gain it all by letting go. So, Lord, we are letting go. You are in control. And we know that we find our lives by giving it up. So, Lord, we give up our lives now, and we trust you. We trust in your love. You are worthy of our praise. Be with Jake now as he comes and brings your message. May you open our ears and our hearts to hear from you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's helpful. How's that? That's a new one. I haven't done that one yet. Hey, welcome. I'm glad you're here. My name's Jake. I'm the associate pastor. Our lead pastor, Dr. Cox, is on vacation, and so I'll be bringing the word this morning. So this time of year, we always take a moment and um, commission teachers and everyone who's involved in the school system. We believe that God calls every Christian to live on mission, and one of the ways that he does that is through your job, through your profession. And so this is just a special time of the year, though, where we just want to single out one area of our community and and pray for those who are involved. Plus, this year is going to be like any other, right? And I know that there's many who are involved in the school system who you're just looking at things right now saying, God, we need you to help. And so as we commission those from our church on mission into the schools, uh, normally we would have them stand and we would lay hands on them, but during COVID, we want to refrain from that. We're just going to ask you to stand. But here's what I would ask. If anyone who is involved in the administration, paraprofessionals, bus drivers, cafeteria workers, maintenance workers, technology, nurses, and teachers, or anyone else who works in the school system, would you please for a moment just stand up so that we can see you? All right. If If you would, just remain standing for a moment, church, as just a sign of sending them out from our church. uh, We want to pray over them as a commissioning prayer for this school year. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus. It's because of him we have a gospel to tell. We have a mission to live out. 
And so, Father, these specifically from our church, Lord, you have called to serve in the school system. So, Father, I pray for them, God, that they would be a demonstration of the gospel to the people that they lead and the people they serve. God, as they demonstrate the gospel in appropriate ways, will you also use them to share the gospel? May they shine like stars in the universe, in the universe, as they are salt and light in our community. Use them, Father, protect them. God, give them strength and wisdom. Holy Spirit, empower them this year. We ask all of this in Jesus' good name. Amen. We're going to be in Psalm 32 this morning, so if you want to turn in your Bibles there. And uh, Danny Aiken uh, has this quote. I want to read it to you. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. It'll cost you more than you want to pay. And it'll require of you more than you want to give. But the good news of Psalm 32 is that in Christ, your sins have been forgiven. And that's such an important truth right now as we look at all of the uncertainty in our world to know that there are some blessings from God that transcend our circumstances. There are some things this world cannot take away. And one of those things is God's forgiveness. And so if you're like me, during this pandemic, you've been asking some big questions. And big questions require big answers. Psalm 32 gives us our best answer to life's biggest questions. So what we want to do is we want to examine this psalm and have us have it drive us to a place where we are celebrating the grace that we have received from God. And so Psalm 32 offers at least five different angles to God's forgiveness. The gospel is like a diamond. It has many facets. Today, we're going to look at at least five of those facets found here in Psalm 32. And the first one we're going to see is this. We're going to see the anatomy of forgiveness, the structure, the build of it. And so look in verse 1 and 2. It says this, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. So, packed within these two verses are three images of God's forgiveness. And I want to walk these through with you. The first one is your transgression has been forgiven. That word literally means that God picks it up and throws it away. Um, In Psalm 103, verse 12, God says, I will cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. Now, I always thought about that verse for a minute, and I thought to myself, why doesn't it say as far as the north is from the south? And I investigated that for a minute. So I've got a low-tech visual aid to help show us something here. And so if you just give me a moment to set this up, I need my podium so we can see. And then here's my low-tech visual aid here. All right. <clears throat> so he says, the psalmist says, God will pick your sin up and throw it away as far as the east is to the west. Now my question of the text, what's wrong with the north and the south? Well, let me show you, okay? I'm going to put my finger here on the equator. I'm going to head north, and what I want you to do is I want you to tell me when I start heading south. Ready? Okay, all right. Let's test this theory another time. I'm going to head south. I need you to tell me when we start heading north. Okay, all right. 
So let's try it the other way now. I'm going to go back to the equator. I'm going to start heading east. I want you to tell me when I start heading west. I can stay online, right? Okay. I'm going to head west. You tell me when I start going east. You know, that's the point here. What the psalmist is saying is when God casts out your sin, it will never come back to you. It will never intersect, right? God will never bring your sin back up. You may bring your sin back up. You may bring up your past. The enemy may bring up your past, but God will not. It never comes back. He doesn't want to see it anymore. It's gone. It'll never come back to you. Then he says this one. This image, he says, your sin is covered, meaning it's out of sight. God refuses to look at it anymore. In Micah 7, 19, he says, he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. I will cast all your sins into the depths of the sea. He says, I take your sin, I throw it to the ocean floor, and I cover it up. I'll never see it again. It's gone. And then he uses this other terminology, this other image. He says, the Lord counts no iniquity. That's an accounting term, meaning your sin is not counted against you anymore. When Paul, in the book of Romans, wants to des- describe the gospel in chapter 4, he quotes Psalm 32, and he uses this, this term, the Lord counts no iniquity. And what he's basically saying is that we all have a sin debt, and when Jesus took our place on the cross, died and rose again, that, that debt was zeroed out. So think for a moment. You wake up one morning, and you're looking at your online banking, and you're going through your accounts. And let's say you start going through your debts, and you realize they all have been zeroed out. For some of you young adults who just graduated from college, all your student loans are gone. Freedom, right? You're running around. That's awesome. So some of y'all with mortgages, you look at your mortgage, zero. It's gone. Medical debt, credit cards, whatever it might be, all of your debt, gone. Would that not be a life-changing moment? God says, your sin's paid for. It's gone. That debt has been zeroed out. But here's the beautiful thing. God doesn't leave us in a place of spiritual neutrality. No, 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 no. We are sons and daughters. So you wake up the next morning, You open up your online banking, and in your checking account, you see a deposit for $10 million, (laughs) right? Like, whoa, wait a minute. Now, I'm not trying to put a dollar amount on the blood of Christ, but what I want you to see is that you're not in a place of spiritual neutrality with God. You are sons and daughters. You've been adopted into his family. What's true of Jesus is now true of you. And that's the image of the forgiveness we need to see. So many of us, we live in a place where we just think we're neutral. Listen, your sins are not only forgiven. Jesus' righteousness is now credited into your account. Therefore, we cannot pretend like we have no sin. I think Christians have a hard time with this. Our forgiveness actually depends on us acknowledging that we are sinners. And no one will be forgiven who doesn't admit that they need grace. They need a pardon from the king. Forgiveness begins where blame shifting ends. 
Augustine understood this. Over his bed, he had Psalm 32 written. And underneath that, he had this line. The beginning of knowledge is to know oneself to be a sinner. So notice, the psalmist doesn't write, blessed are the perfect ones, but rather, blessed is the man who comes to the Lord without the pretense of thinking he is perfect. They know themselves to be a sinner. They don't pretend to be otherwise. Now, why is this important? Well, the psalmist is about to tell you his story and what he's gone through and what he's learned. And that takes us to the second facet. I want you to see this. We see the experience of forgiveness. Look at verse 3. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was dried up as the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So the psalmist says, I had an issue. I had a problem. I refused to acknowledge my sin. I was hiding. I was wearing a mask. Not a real one, but like a metaphorical one, right? And this should remind us of Adam and Eve. What's the first thing our first parents did when they rebelled in the garden? Adam said, hey, let's go climb into those trees. He'll never find us up there. They hid from God. Hiding is what humanity does without the gospel. We hide. And look what hiding can do to us. Look, look what the psalmist says. My bones wasted away. I was groaning. My strength was dried up. This sounds like me after working out, right? He is hurting. But he wants to pretend like everything's fine. You know anybody like that? I'm fine. Everything's fine. Don't worry about me. I'm good. I'm like that. Uh, last week, I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about this guy for 20 years impersonated another person. His name was Bill Henry, and Bill Henry impersonated another Bill Henry. Let me show you who Bill Henry impersonated. This is uh, Bill Henry. Uh, he's a 16-year Major League Baseball player in the 50s and 60s. Uh, that Bill Henry pitched in the World Series. So you have fake Bill Henry and real Bill, Hen Bill Henry, right? So fake or impersonating Bill Henry uh, had the same name. They were the same height. They both were left-handed. And for 20 years, he told everybody he was this Bill Henry. The man got married, and his wife never knew the lie he was carrying until he died. And then it came to light. The podcast guys were talking about, like, how difficult it would be to keep this lie going all of your life and how much energy and how draining that would be. The psalmist says, I know what that struggle's like because I used to try to pretend like I was perfect and not acknowledge, acknowledging the fact that I'm a sinner. But here's the thing, verse 4 actually adds another layer to this. He says that the Lord's hand was pressing down on him. Right? So he's tired, not just for keeping the ruse going, he's tired because God was convicting him of his sin while he was doing this. Listen, it's a kindness from God to have a guilty conscience. And it's not a bad thing when we feel conviction. Actually, 
We need to worry when we no longer feel conviction and we no longer feel guilty for our sin. So the psalmist begins to learn a lesson. He wakes up. He turns to God. Look at verse 5. Look at what he says. He says, I acknowledged no more denial. I didn't cover no more hiding. I will confess no more silence. And here's the thing. The results of his confession was forgiveness. The Lord doesn't hold sin against the people who repent. You see, if we confess our sin, turn around and run to the Lord, he no longer holds these things against us. Those images we just talked about, they become true of us when we repent. So here's my question for you this morning. Is there any unconfessed sin in your life right now? If there is, why are you hiding? What benefit is hiding giving you right now? What are you gaining from it? The next facet is the promise of forgiveness. Verse 6, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer a prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely, the, the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him, meaning Jesus. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me in my trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. In these verses, you see both a promise and a warning. The promise is this. Great waters are coming, but Jesus will be a hiding place for you. He will protect you against the great waters of God's judgment. So that's the promise. So here's the warning. The warning is this. You need to run to God while he can be found. Right now he can be found, but don't wait. Don't be slow to deal with your sin. God is patient. God is kind. He allows us time to wrestle, time to feel conviction. He gives us time to repent. But that kindness will not last forever. Therefore, you don't approach the Lord with apathy and laziness. You run to him while there's still time. This theme is repeated over and over and over in Scripture. Today is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6, 12. Or Psalm 95, 7 and 8, which says this. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If you're here today and you're not yet a believer, and you are hearing his voice, he is speaking to you right now, do not harden your heart. Because here's the truth of the matter. We always respond to the gospel. Everyone always responds to the gospel. You may come to church on Sunday morning, the pastor preaches, he offers invitation. You may think, oh, nobody came forward, nobody responded. No, everybody always responds to the gospel. You either respond with repentance and rejoicing, or you respond with rejection. And when you reject, your heart begins calcify. It begins to harden. So then we see the lesson of forgiveness. The psalmist has learned a valuable lesson, and now he wants to make his mess his message. This is the purpose of our testimonies, right? And so that's what he's doing. He's sharing his testimony, and now he wants to show you what he's learned. Look at verse 8. 
I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and a bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts the Lord. So the psalmist learns from his journey. He is no longer going to hide. He's going to be honest with God and with people about his sin. And he uses this illustration of a horse that has to be coerced, has to be disciplined in order to obey. And the lesson he says is, listen, let's not be like that. Um, Don't just confess your sin because you're forced into it, because you're scared into it. I mean, it's not a bad reason, but it's not the best reason. And here you see why in verse 10. He says there's this deep contrast between those who refuse to confess, those who hide. They're called wicked. There's a big difference between those and those who repent. And and here's why. He says that both groups of people are going to be overwhelmed by something. The wicked are going to be overwhelmed by their sorrow. Right? Have you ever been there? Like, you make a bad decision, and you're like, oh, why did I do that? The psalmist says, the wicked are going to be overwhelmed with sorrow. But the repentant, the righteous, they're going to be overwhelmed. But they're going to be overwhelmed with God's love. Have you ever been there? Right? He loves me. How could he love someone like me after all that I've done? He loves me. Which type of overwhelmed do you want to be? So finally, we see the conclusion of this psalm. And the last facet of forgiveness we see is the joy. The joy of forgiveness. Look at verse 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. O righteous one, shout for joy all you upright in heart. Our response to God's loving kindness is to shout for joy. It's to celebrate our sins have been forgiven. Listen, I know right now it is crazy. You turn on the news and your heart rate shoots up. You're full with all of this stuff, the anxiety and the fear and all of that. I get it. But let me tell you, your greatest problem on earth has been solved. Your sins have been forgiven, and that can never be taken away from you. And so the response to that is to worship. It's to shout. It's to celebrate. It's to sing. And I would say if that's not our response, maybe we don't fully understand what's happened for us. So I want to remind you, Ephesians 2, let me just read this real quick. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were children of wrath, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love by which he loved us, he sent his son to make it possible that our debt could be paid, that righteousness could be put in our account. Jesus is the one who protects us against the great water. He's the one who shields us from judgment. Jesus is the one who did not need forgiveness, but took our place so that we could have forgiveness. And so today, if you've trusted in Christ, let me tell you, shout for joy, because the Bible says you are blessed. 
Your greatest problem has been solved. You're blessed. If you've not yet trusted in Jesus, though, let me just tell you what the text says. The text says you're not blessed. If you're hiding right now, you're not blessed. Life is not good. It's only going to get worse. Now, let's be honest for a moment. For the Christian, this is as bad as it gets. I know it's crazy. This is, this is the floor. It only goes up from here. For the not yet believer, this is as good as it gets. This craziness, this is the best you're going to experience. It only goes down from here. But I've got good news. It doesn't have to be that way. You can seek him while he still can be found. You can be blessed today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not let your heart be hardened. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's pray together. Father, as we have looked at your word this morning, Father, I thank you for the blessing of forgiveness. God, that our greatest problem can be solved. Lord, I pray for the believer in this room right now. God, that they would realize they have a blessing that goes beyond all circumstance. And even in the midst of the uncertainty, they know they're blessed. Father, I pray for the not yet Christian in this room. God, that they would see that they're not blessed, but that there's an opportunity for salvation to come today. And that they wouldn't wait. And they would run to you. That their sin debt would be zeroed out and righteousness would be in their account. Father, do not let anyone harden their hearts, but to run to you and repent. Trust you in faith. Ask all of this in Jesus' good name. Amen. During this time, our invitation's a little different. I'll be over here at the Welcome Center. If you want to talk to me about how you can have a relationship with Jesus, I'd love to talk to you. You just go through these double doors, turn left. You'll see me. I'll be waiting for you. If you'd like to join our church, if you need a church family to support you, especially during this time, we need people around us. You just do the same thing. Go through the double doors. I'll be there at the Welcome Center. Hey, listen, if you just need someone to pray with you and to encourage you right now, we've got people there who can do that as well at the Welcome Center. Seek the Lord now while he can be found. And do, do not delay. Today our band's going to lead us in a praise song. Would you stand and sing and celebrate the grace you've received?
quick announcements as we close our service. Next Sunday is our launch Sunday. It's the start of a new year. This is when our kids and students and everybody are promoted up to new classes. Uh, this is an important Sunday, so we hope that you will be here for that. We also want to let you know, it's in your worship guide, that the School of the Arts will be having an open house this week. You can get some information about that. And then on Wednesday night for our outdoor worship service, Todd is going to be leading a concert with a lot of our mu musicians. Uh, outdoor worship has been great. We invite you to come out if you haven't been a part of that yet. It's going to be some great music, and I know that you'll be blessed. So let's take a moment pray together as we close out our service. Father, you are good to us. God, as we step into our mission field this week, may we hold out the blessing of forgiveness. We thank you for your son, Jesus. God, for taking our place, making us right. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.